Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Everyone's been paying real close attention to hockey, haven't they? Yeah? <laughs> hey, they're 4-2-0. Nice. Uh, and uh, they're not as bad as we thought they'd be, which honestly is the worst case scenario. But we'll get into that uh, as we move the show along today. Let's lead it off as we always do with the introductions. Start off with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. I am not the flyby herself, Kelly Hinkle, who is the flyby herself. Um, I am fully invested in the Phillies this year, but obviously we all are. I think that that's the one, the one bright spot in the Phillies, the Philly sports fans year is, hey, we're all doing really well right now. Um, so on Sunday, when they were not doing really well. That was the team that I've been expecting to see all season. Like that was the version of the Flyers that I thought like this is this was it. This is what we thought we were going to see. But it was the second game of the second back-to-back in 5 days and if that's what it took for them to look that bad, I've got a lot of reconsidering to do. Yeah, I mean We'll see. Six games. I mean, I know, Six but games. they're still missing a lot of their big guys. We'll get into the rest of it, but like, they're they don't look visually awful. And from theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, see, that's kind of where I'll disagree, Steph, because I just got done watching that Nashville game that they won. So technically, you could say that they looked visually better because they won. That was a horrifying hockey game. They looked terrible, with the exception of one shift in the second period where they had the puck for like two and a half minutes, and then the three shifts they scored goals on. Like, I, I'm i tracking these games. I am going back and, and tracking entries. I'm looking at stats. Like, no, they look real, real bad. They never have real bad. Play. Real bad teams sometimes win games. It doesn't change the fact that they're real bad. And this team somehow has kind of backdoored their way into four wins. I have not changed my opinion of this team one iota. Like, they have a 40% expected goals percentage. This is not a good hockey team. We'll, uh, <laughs> we're going to get into this guy a little bit later in the show, but Carter Hart. Ch- Charlie said somehow... It's not. It's it's one guy. Somehow yeah, is, is guy. wears number seventy nine. They're four and zero in his starts. They're zero and two in the other goalie starts. It's not a shock <laughs> when your goalie has a nine fifty save percentage. You win. 
that's that's we we're like last week we're like, well, he can't keep up at nine forty three. No, it went up six points. It's like nine forty eight, nine forty nine now. <laughs> like it's and again, it's it's four games. You know, I seriously doubt he's going to be the greatest goaltender of all time this season. But eh, dumb shit happens. Who knows? Maybe he is. Uh, before we get into some stuff, there's some news floating about the. Uh, I guess the most the most pertinent is the uh, Couturier was skating. And now he no longer is. I guess we can call it a setback or... Yeah, they called it a setback. Yeah, they actually used the word setback, right? Well, it was more that someone asked if it was a setback and Tortorella acknowledged that, yes, I guess you could call it a setback. (laughs) Don't call it a setback. No, it is Don't call it a setback. Uh, So he's... I mean, it would be shocking to see him this season, right? I mean... I feel like, I think he'll probably play at some point, but it's not going to be for quite a while. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see him come February, March, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he didn't play at all this season. Like, it's, nothing is going to shock me with this idiot team, I think is what I'm saying. I just, I don't know how you have a setback with your back and it's like, yeah, and now everything is moving moving smoothly. Like, I just don't see a timeline. But, you know, again, dumb shit happens all the time. The the one the one thing I'll rant a little bit about here, because I get this a lot on social media from people, is like, well, why doesn't he just get surgery? It's like, look, he already had one surgery. They're going to do everything they possibly can do to have him not have a second back surgery on pretty much the same issue because that is real, real bad. So, like, yes, they, they are going to try everything they can do to not have him have surgery. And it's not literally just as simple as we're seeing, considering the fact that he had one surgery and now he's not back yet. It's not just as simple as, like, well, he gets a surgery and he's going to be fine. Like, no, that's not how it works. No, it's they back don't surgery, They want him man. to have another surgery. Yeah. How is the best case scenario for these people invasive spinal surgery? Yeah, like, exactly. how is that the best case scenario? It's not. And, like, it's the back. It's just one of these things that once it's fucked up, it's never the same again. And you open it up enough times. All of our fears are, oh, well, you know, first year of an eight-year contract and he's never the same again. He's going to get worse every time he goes under the knife with this specific thing. Like, it's... I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. But I've watched enough sports to know once your back starts to go, everything else follows. And so you're going to do as much as you can not to have surgery on that area. That's That just makes sense. And also, it's not even like an athlete-specific thing. All of our backs start to go. So it's not like this is just for athletes. We experience it yeah. too as yeah. as people who lay on their couches for 22 hours out of 24 a day. Hey, speak for um, yourself, Steph. I know, and it's not true, but it's funny. I thought of it last night. I'm like, I don't actually move from my couch, which is not true. Um, but, like, we deal with it. So these athletes that are moving their bodies and stressing their bodies to a point where they're just going to break down eventually, like, of course they're going to deal with bigger problems on a bigger scale than we do, but backs break. That's the thing. Like, it just, that happens. And on top of uh, Couturier, it's also Cam Atkinson. Um, John Tortorella says, well, that's one frustrated young man right there. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I guess because it wasn't specific, 
I never expected him to miss a ton of time, but it doesn't seem as if that's going to be... There's going to be any resolution to the Cam Atkinson issue anytime soon either. Doesn't seem like it. Yeah, what the hell is going on there, Charlie? Well, so up until about three days before the season, John Tortorella was saying he was optimistic that Cam Atkinson was going to play in game one. Obviously, that didn't happen. He still isn't back yet. So I pressed him on it today, and he basically said that, yeah, he he had a setback before the season started. And it's not getting better. And it seems like, based on what Tortorella said, that Atkinson doesn't want to reveal what the nature of the injury is, so they're keeping it close to the chest. Um, It's an upper body issue. We do know that. It's close to Um, the chest and (laughs) multi-layered. I mean, not going to lie, I do worry about it being a back injury. You know, I, I do. I do legitimately worry about that being a possibility. I have heard some rumblings that like they're they haven't it's there's there's definitely some Ellis comparables here where in the sense that like they don't know exactly what the problem is. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it'll be all right. You know, oh, fuck. No, we we don't know where he is. We can't find him. He's not picking up his phone. Uh, (laughs) And I mean, he's around. Yeah, he's he's not here. I know. This isn't like that. that situation, but more in the sense that. They're still trying to identify the exact problem and then figure out what to do about it. And in the interim, they're hoping it's just going to get better. And for more on this, let's go to Scott Lawton. Can we talk about what happened yesterday? I think it's, I really, really want to. I think it's very funny. So we're coming to you on a game day. Today is a game day Thursday. Uh, yeah, right? That's Yeah. And it's because yeah, we, it's we planned to record on our normal day yesterday, Wednesday. And... A member of the team walks into the room that Charlie is, you know, Charlie's covering the team, he's at practice, he's making time to do the podcast. And then a member of the team walks in. Now, Charlie specifically rarely says anything that you wouldn't want a member of the team to hear. uh, Or at least it's not honest. Like, Charlie doesn't come on here and bullshit you. But, you know, me and Steph are on the show too. And without (laughs) context... (laughs) <laughs> Without context, Charlie just responding to some of the nonsense that me and Steph might say could create a ridiculous situation of him sitting in a room with just him and a member of the team. Uh, and so we're coming to you on a game day Thursday. I hope it's not too inconvenient for you, but something tells me you're wrapped up with the Phillies and you'll just take Broad Street Hockey as you can get it. Uh, so we have Couturier and Atkinson. Bill and I tried so <laughs> hard to ask Charlie or to get Charlie to ask Scott Lawton to join us. <laughs> we tried so hard. No, Scott was so the way it was set up, the, the way that the the skate zone is set up, there's a media room and then on the other side of the second floor there's another media room. Usually that media room is completely empty. This time it was covered in like pucks and sticks for players to sign, I guess for like Santa Sacks Santa or Sachs, whatever. Santa baby. Probably. Got to get a head start. And we were about to start recording, and Scott Lawton walks in to sign all these pucks. And there were easily, like, 100 pucks just out there. So he was going to be a little bit. <laughs> and then he was probably going to have to sign six sticks, too. And I was just like, guys, we can't do this. I can't do a podcast with a player <laughs> on the team in the same room. And I certainly can't ask him to leave because I, I really shouldn't even be there either. Hey, Scotty, can you, uh, can you fuck off for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> and the look on Charlie's face. So, like, you guys get us – in our filtered form, like this is Bill and I filtered. 
we were not recording. So we were just talking at Charlie about Scott Lawton and he Charlie's could not like respond. Shaking and it nodding was, his head. It was just. <laughs> it was great. It might be the highlight of my season. <laughs> it was very funny. So, and it's just, it's just one of those things. It's, it's great. Honestly, it's a funny story for the podcast. Uh, but on top of the Couturier and Atkinson injuries, we also have JVR out indefinitely with a broken finger. He did have surgery on said broken finger. Uh, it was injured blocking a shot because, you know, he's a gritty guy like that. Um, <laughs> I will say with these injuries to, you know, the three, like three of the four actually good veterans on this team, uh, and we can debate, you know, how good JVR actually is, but, you know, he scores 25 goals every year, so... Yeah, you know, pretty good. Um, yeah, you don't just like luck into that, although yeah. a significant portion of the fan base seems to believe he does. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, a significant, a significant portion of the fan base thinks the fucking mascot is to blame for all their woes, too. So, <laughs> uh, regardless, I will say, with these three guys out, it does create considerable opportunity for some of the young players. Now, it also creates like third line Nick Delorier. Uh but this is fun. We're having fun. Yeah. But we're also going to get like no uh Owen Tippett is back. He's going to get an extended look. Noah Cates is your 2C. Wade Allison here to stay. Um Faraby is on your first line. Like Faraby Hayes Konechny. Tell me that doesn't sound like a bad ass second line. Like, that's a real yeah. good second line. It would be a good second line. I just love like, that. Here are your only three good players. Good luck. <laughs> well, see, you know what, you know what all this is? This is the hockey guys. Like, you know how, like, the offseason people were saying, oh, they should just trade away all the veterans and tank and let all the kids play. This is the hockey guys saying, if you ain't going to trade away the vets, we're just going to take all of them away from you anyway. And you're going to have to do what all the fans want you to do anyway, which is tank by playing the kids because JVR, you wouldn't trade him, so he's hurt. Couturier, you, you, you decide to re-sign him, he's hurt. Atkinson, you decide not to sell high after he had a good year, he's hurt. JVR, like, I mean, this is great. Like, now you're just getting all the kids. People are getting what they wanted. They're just getting it because of injuries. Not People good. are getting the Lucas said lack they always asked for. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I, I will have you know, and I did as a, I have not yet caught up on the Sanders and Sharks game because I was uh, on vacation away last weekend. Um, so I, but I just finished the national game. He was one of maybe like three skaters. So it would have been him, Joel Farabee, and maybe Tony D'Angelo, who like I thought was good in that game. Obviously, Carter Hart was amazing, but he was one of the few players. Oh, and McEwen. I thought McEwen was good. So that's four. But, like, aside from that, Jesus everybody else Christ. stunk. What? Everyone else stunk. How is this team a thing? Look at, the, <laughs> look at the players you just named, and those were the ones who were good. <laughs> like, uh, so I guess I just wanted to bring up Sedlak for a second. Uh, played 162 games under Tortorella over parts of three seasons with Columbus. Averaged, like, nine and a half minutes a game during those three seasons. Uh, he's just... A depth piece that they didn't think they had in somebody else. I, I guess they needed another guy who's familiar with what the coach wants rather than someone who's going to learn on the job. Uh, well, I think... The Phantoms so don't have enough him, guys to field a team because they're all up here already. I think with him, number one, it's the injuries. 
I think that's yeah. part of it. You know, he's a versatile guy. Number two, he played for Tortorella in Columbus, so was, there's that connection there. Number three, and this has actually been confirmed, they, like, so he, he was in Columbus, he went over to the KHL for a while, then with everything going on over in Russia, he's obviously not Russian, so he was like, I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge, understandably so. So originally he was like, I'll go back and I'll play at home, I'll play in the Czech Republic, and then when NHL teams found out that he was leaving the KHL, they reached out to his agent and said, hey, you know, we'd have interest in potentially signing him to an NHL deal. So then he changed he changed priorities and he started thinking, all right, let's see if I can maybe come back to the NHL. The Flyers were one of the teams that tried to sign him. It was just that if you have an offer from the Flyers and you have an offer from the Colorado Avalanche, I got news for you. You ain't picking the Flyers. You're picking the really stacked team that just won the Stanley Cup. So he signed with the Avalanche. The Avalanche... I guess, quickly decided that he wasn't going to start for them. So they put him on waivers. So this was really just the Flyers being like, all right, well, we were, you know, we lost the race to sign you. Let's just get you now. Yeah. And that's that's good. They needed depth, whatever. I, I just constantly wish they had someone so they didn't need Patrick Brown, but this is what they do. And they want someone familiar with, with the coach. So I Patrick get it. Patrick Brown skated today. Oh, he can, practiced. Outstanding. He's going to be back. Patrick Brown. Love on that On the way him. back. Playoffs, baby. Playoff Brown. Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown is the NHL version of Hayden Hodson in that the co- like Fletcher and the coaches bring him up way more than they should about like, yeah, you know, our center depth, it's, it's real weak because of these injuries. And then they name Patrick Brown. It's like, he's not an NHL player. Why are you naming him? Like, he doesn't matter. He's Aww, just a guy. Because they don't have no, that many NHL players. he's a nice man. He's a good dude. I'm not denying that. He's just not an NHL player. Because Nick Delorier is on their third line. They don't have that many NHL players. Yeah, but, like, he he. Their fights. second line is their first line. Like, they, <laughs> guys, there's three of us on this show right now. By the end of the year, the fourth line could be us. Guess what? It's you. <laughs> Guess what? It's you. So we're we're saying all this about the Flyers, and they have started four two and zero, nice. Um, but nobody actually believes in them, in, including any of. Or maybe Kelly does, but she's not on the she's not on the show to defend them today. Uh, oh, Kelly absolutely believes in them. <laughs> but just uh, Kelly just them. just reading through some headlines on the old Athletic.com, which is an okay website. It's all right. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, so. There's, like, yesterday, when I'm putting everything together before we were going to record, I'm just like, oh, let me see what some of the headlines are. And just three stories right at the top when you click on flyers. DGB's top five teams he's not buying yet. <laughs> Guess who's number one? The Philadelphia Flyers. I wonder who's number one. Uh, it's, it's your Philadelphia Flyers. Shayna Goldman's top five early surprises. And then goes on to be like, this is unst- unsustainable. Uh, <laughs> the Philadelphia Flyers. And then in the power rankings, at 3-1 and one, when they were written, Sean Gentile and Dom, no last name given, ranked them... Dom L. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ranked them 24th in their power rankings, despite a 3-1 and one record at the time. That's generous. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> they lost one game. <laughs> they have the Wild there, who I don't think had won at that point. They're like at 15. Uh, and it's just... It's very funny to look at this and kind of go yeah this is what we all expected like and that's the first of down goes brown's art like article easy call here even before they got shut out by the sharks last night right 
Like, that's the first sentence talking about the number one team he's not buying yet being the Philadelphia Flyers. And, yeah, okay. getting shut out by the Sharks and James Reimer, like, that's yeah, pretty that's bad. Great. All right, Bill, well, here's a question for you. Since you brought up the Wild, you're like, I don't think the Wild had won a game. Would you trade every <laughs> no. single player on the team that, like, doesn't have an obviously bad contract for uh, Kirill Kaprizov? Yes. I would trade, like— Everything I, I would trade. Well, then, then yes, that's why the Wilder ahead of the Flyers. No, I, I, I get it. It's just <laughs> funny to look at it. Like, yes, Kirill Kaprizov is better than any two Flyers combined. Like, yep. <laughs> any yep. two. If you had one on two, Kevin Hayes and Sean Couturier, I think Kaprizov wins. Like, it, it's just... I think that if you threw in a Joel Farabee in there, Kaprizov is better <laughs> yes. than those three players yes. combined. Uh, so it's just like. We, our entire top line. Yep. That's yeah, that's line. that's the top line. Uh, <laughs> just looking at what we said all off season, how the worst case scenario is Tortorella and goaltending put this team well ahead of its true talent level. Is that playing out, and is that what's really going to happen? Like the worst case scenario is playing out, right? Well. It's playing out in the sense that it's it's six games through in six fourth, games. Yes, again, games. yeah, they were four one and one to start last season, and they were fourth worst team in the league. So yeah, plenty of time. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, that this means that they're going to finish with a decent record. Now, of course, yes, it's uh, it's always been possible that John Tortorella would get the most out of this team, and Carter Hart would have a bounce back year, and they would not be awful. Could that be happening? Sure, that could be happening. That said, I mean. As I as I said earlier in the show, they have a forty percent expected goals percentage of five on five. You have to be so lucky to overcome play driving that poor. Now, I don't think it's going to stay that poor just because rarely anyone New tries coach. to play that poorly over an eighty two game season. Like it's pretty damn hard to do that too. But <laughs> I, the one thing I will say, and this will be like a, a transition into Carter Hart. I've always said going into this year that if you're going to root for anything, root for them to find ways to get high end talent. Now, whether that's being real bad in the draft to, you know, to draft a guy in the top three, um, or whether that's to see, you know, one of the younger ish guys take another step forward, whether it's pro raw for connecting, jumping back to where they were three years ago, whether it's Joel Farabee having the big, you know, the big season that shows he can be a first liner clearly in the NHL, whether it's one of the rookies taking a huge step, well, if Carter Hart can sustain, obviously he's not going to sustain a 949 save percentage, but if Carter Hart can be a 930 save percentage goalie and appear to be fulfilling his potential that we've always thought he had, you know, that is a legitimately positive development for this team because if you have the goalie, that's a pretty darn good starting point. And he's still young. It feels like he's not because he's been around forever, but he's still young. You still would have a lot more good years of Carter Hart in his prime that you can build around. Especially considering like what the normal prime is for a goaltender. This is kind of maybe the beginning or still a little while out. But is this a good thing? Like, is it good? We knew that Carter Hart was good. Did we? But the rest of the team is so shit. No, it's it's we not knew good. He was fine. 
It's all right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. We knew he was okay. a starter. We didn't know if he was a franchise goaltender. And again, four yep. games. Okay. Yep. He's had plenty of four game strings in the past yeah. that we were like, of yeah, course. great. Uh, but if this is maybe the beginning of him being franchise goalie material, that's good. Like just in a vacuum. Um, them winning a bunch it's of games this year. It's not good for drafting purposes. Yeah, like them, it's not good for the chances of them getting Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli yeah. or Mitch Koff or whatever. But it is good because then suddenly you go from having zero high end players to having one, and then you're hoping Cutter Gauthier could be another one. And that one is like, unless you're the Colorado Avalanche in a fucking All Star team. It's the one thing that matters in the playoffs. Like, literally nothing else. And the else. one thing that they've like, never had. Look at what Jake well, Ottinger did. For, like, look at what yeah. some of these yeah. dudes did in the playoffs last year in series they had no business being in. Um, it's kind of the one thing that matters in the playoffs. But, like Charlie said, in the grand scheme of things, them winning a bunch of games is not good. Uh, like, they, it just, it's a waste of everyone's time. Carter Hart's going to yep. get the start tonight. Uh, he's got a 9.49 save percentage, 1.75 goals against. He's 4-0 in his four starts. He stopped 130 of 137 shots he's faced in four games, which uh, you probably want to give up less. 30 shots by Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver had 30. That may not be good. Vancouver had 30 shots on goal. That's the fewest he's faced this season. Um no, they're not playing well. Like no. let's be let's no. be very clear. This team is not playing good hockey. Obviously. Not even close. They just are stumbling into success. Carter Hart kind of. Carter Hart can't keep up a 950 save percentage cuz that's fucking impossible. But can he be a Vezina candidate? Like do you see him being good enough this year? Like yeah, he's not 950, but he's 928, you know? Like what if he's this So I'm going to say I, I could. I could see it, but I don't want to. Like, <laughs> I don't want to because it just doesn't bode well for the future. Like, if if he plays out of his mind this season, yes, that's good for Carter Hart. It's good for the team's long-term success, but it doesn't set us up for a better position next year. And I would say, like, okay – it means the team has a baseline and maybe they become a destination, but they're still so fucked against the cap that like, what, what are they going to do? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, JVR's coming There's off the books. Well, well, guess There's what? Nothing. Travis Sanheim just got signed long-term. There's that money right there. Like, it's just, ah, I hate Chuck Fletcher so much. A side note on Travis Sanheim, because he is one of the few guys that I like on this team. He won as Bryce Harper for Halloween. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I respect that. That's yes. a good costume. I, I appreciate it. Where like, Halloween's not till Monday. Where did he go for this? It's probably because this was the only time they could do a a, a team party. That's cute. I'm glad yeah, they I had a, team, a party. team party. I'm glad everyone's yeah. having fun. Uh, I mean, hey, they're four. They're yeah. four and two. They yeah, actually four and two. They, 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 you know, e- even though they're doing it in a real bad way, they are winning. So fine, go <laughs> go celebrate, Christ. guys. It's, go be Bryce Harper. It's, it's so funny that they're four. Like. After everything we said all offseason, yeah, they've won four out of six to start the year, which, again, they did last year, but we kind of just expected the train wreck of last season to continue, not begin again, and 
it has not continued. I guess, you know, if you look at the play driving, the fact that they never, ever have the puck, yeah, it's kind of still the same train wreck, but they're getting the goaltender. It's pretty rare when they have the puck, not going to lie. It's that's kind of a shock. I'm not going to sit here and say that in these games that have been up against, you know, Philly's playoff games, I've been watching them closely. But when given the (laughs) chance, I have watched them, and it's like a fucking holiday when they get the puck. Oh, the weekend's here. The Flyers have the puck. Like, it's (laughs) unbelievable the amount of time they spend in their own zone without the puck, chasing. Uh, Just, if they get it, they dump it in and then got to go get it. It, it, It's just very, there's no way they sustain this. Like, absolutely no way. That's, if you're worried out there, because all of us are a little worried that, oh my God, they're going to be mediocre. They just can't. They just cannot possibly sustain this. Yeah, and to go back to your question about Carter Hart, you know, can he be a Vesna candidate? I'm not, look, I'm not going to rule it out. Number one, I do believe he's a very talented goalie, and there's always the possibility that a very talented goalie breaks out and has a big year. That happens. And that would be, as I said, not a bad thing for the Flyers' long-term future to learn that Carter Hart is actually real good and not just fine. Um, that said, you know, the odds are still against him having an awesome year. It is still early. It's be very easy for him to go out there tonight give up five, six goals, and suddenly his save percentage looks mediocre again. Like, this this narrative could turn very, very quickly. It's very difficult for goalies to put up great save percentage. That's why it doesn't happen that often. The one thing I will say, and again, this could change, but I do think with Tortorella, yeah, they don't have the puck that often. And yes, the underlying numbers are justifiably terrible. It means that they're not going to be very good. I do get the sense that he has re-implemented more structure to their game in the sense that they're not making the same, like, I'm literally banging my head against the wall, this is asinine types of mistakes that they made most of last year, with maybe the exception of the first, like, couple weeks. Like, they're they're at least forcing teams to work for it. You know what I mean? They're, yes, there they're is. They're making them go through... They're making them go through layers. They're blocking shots. They're clearing rebounds. If you're going to score, you're going to have to earn it. They're not just going to, like, Goldberg with, like, standing there, like, going out of the way of the net and just, like, go ahead, score, please. We want you to. We actually do. No, it definitely— They're making teams work for it. And that will help a goalie because the goalie then can stop most of the pucks that he sees and isn't getting completely left hung out to drive for. In terms of what Steph said earlier about it visually being better, while, yeah— they never have the puck. There is an element of, uh, like, how John Tortorella before the year said, you know, when they break out, I want their puck carrier to be looking at five jerseys. And they're, like, that's there. They are yeah. doing, it's just, like, they get beat because they're not very good. Exactly. <laughs> but but that element is still there. There's a reason they're giving up two to three a game instead of seven. And it's because, like, one, the goalie can see the puck. And two, it's very it, it's much harder to score on this team than it was in the past. And it's not just because the goalie's awesome. There isn't a little bit of an element of at least they're not just giving it the fuck up. Like, yes, you yes. can take it from them, but you got to fight them to do it a little bit. You know, it's there was there was a, a little moment. Back. There was a moment in the Vancouver game. This should should show you how bad things got last year. It was, it was a shift where the Flyers had the puck in the offensive zone, 
and they were cycling, and they weren't really creating much much dangerous chances, but they, they had the puck. They were wearing Vancouver down, and they successfully fully changed their entire personnel while keeping control of the puck and keeping the other team pinned in its own zone. And I, I turned to the person sitting next to me, I think it was Maddie, and I was just like, that was a really good, like, like structured line change while keeping control of the puck. And, like, that's a relatively – it's not a hard thing. It's, it really shouldn't have been, like, that impressive. But there's no way they would have done that last year. Like, they literally – we joked about it. We weren't wrong. They couldn't execute line changes last year. They were such a mess. Didn't they have they to practice it? They could not do line changes. Yes. They had was to that look at it yeah. in, in tape sessions how to do line changes. Because Mike Yo recognized that they were real, real bad at doing line changes the way they should, and like the fact that I am that, that I it legitimately jumped out at me that wow they did that line change really well they, that should show you how bad shit got last year. Like John Tortorella is going to win the Jack Adams for not fucking shooting somebody for not bringing a gun to the practice facility and fucking shooting somebody. Parody. Yes, parody. this is parody. <laughs> Satire. Like, no, but... But, the, no, you're right. The low and... baseline for this team, like, they pulled off... A, and we're all like, yeah, we get that that's a real low bar, but also it's one they did not clear for, like, most of the exactly. last two years. Exactly. Let's take a break because I want to talk more about John Tortorella. Okay. Sounds good. Let's take a break here, and then we'll be back on the other side to... Talk about this fucking hockey team, I guess. (laughs) All right, fam, we are back, and we are continuing to discuss uh, Coach of the Year candidate John Tortorella, who has this team changing lines like nothing you've ever seen before. Uh, Not just in stoppages. During play, too, they're able to pull it off, which is a great feat for them. Uh, I I kid. Uh, This is... He's kind of bringing to the team... What I just some semblance of like competence and don't like, yeah, ch- you're a professional, change goddamn lines. But and obviously, we while they're not playing great, they are winning, they do look like more of just a professional hockey team than they have recently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's all well and good. I wanted to start with the um TK and Hayes benching. From yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Which game were they benched in? Was that this was the San Jose? That was San Jose. That watched. was the last. So game. I've I've really only picked up on the the discourse. I have not seen. I can't make a statement as to whether I believe either of them deserve to be benched. But oh the fact God, that they did. The fact that they were benched, it's a story. Yeah, it's absolutely a story. I will just say. So here's oh, the thing: ahead, the entire team should have walked down the tunnel, and like nobody should have been playing. It was awful, Charlie. Like. Okay. To the point where the rest of the games they played this season looked like good hockey. Like, it was <laughs> awful. I mean, the Sharks uh, are so not yes. good. And no, they did not The score. Sharks are not good. <laughs> yeah. No. It was, it was the type of game that you watch and you're like, this is why we spent the entire offseason screaming who the fuck is going to score goals on this team because it's not any of these guys. It's not a one of them. So after the game... When asked, first question about Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny, John Tortorella, with a smile on his face and the most pleasant tone, says, I want to keep that in the room. And that was that. Nobody pressed him. Nobody asked the questions. 
And that's the reputation that he brings. And I think that's fucking awesome. It's like Charlie said, it's a story because it happened. And it's honestly the two guys who have produced the most for this team. And it's great that it happened because this is what we've been talking about in terms of accountability. If only Shane Gostisbehere is held accountable, but Andrew McDonald gets to go out and play 22 minutes a game no matter what, then the coach has no credibility. If Kevin Hayes can be benched, anyone can be benched. And I like that a lot. Whether or not they deserved it, I don't care. The team stinks. They stunk that night. Call out those guys. Call out the ones who are actually responsible for the team playing well, the two best goddamn forwards on the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this struck me, and again, I haven't watched the game, so I, I can't speak to specifics of, you know, I noticed something that one of them did that was just particularly egregious. But this struck me, especially in the aftermath, because then I was in the room this week, you know, I practices and whatnot. This struck me more as like a, a sending of a message to the team, not like you two in particular pissed me off, but more like all of you pissed me off, so I'm expecting more from you two since you guys are supposed to be leaders and you guys are supposed to be the ones that take charge of this situation. And if you're not willing to do that, then maybe I'm just going to let the kids do it because like, you clearly have no interest in stepping up tonight and stopping this. Which is great. Like that's I'm totally fine with that. Um, it's a, just some sort of accountability here. It doesn't matter that they've been the two best forwards. Like... Beat the goddamn Sharks. If we're actually a better team than we think, getting shut out by the Sharks is an embarrassment. Now, again, step back. I like losing to the Sharks. I think losing is good (laughs) for this team. Uh, But that's not what a... Players and coaches don't tank. Front offices tank. You know, whether intentionally or unintentionally, front offices tank. Uh... The guys on the ice, the guys behind the bench, they're going out and trying to win because their careers could all end tomorrow. Like, you, you, don't, you don't try to lose. Look at uh, half of the roster. It could all end tomorrow. You don't know, especially if you're wearing a flyer sweater. It could just be gone. So they yep. try to win, and if that's the mentality he's trying to create, great, because it's one this, this franchise badly needs. Desperately. And I'm just going to pivot a little bit. So their, their slogan, their hashtag this year is fueled by Philly. And this, I think, was the front office's admission. Like, hey, we're not going to be good this year. Like, we, the Flyers, are not going to be good this year. So we're going to link ourselves to the city of Philadelphia. Like, we're just going to make ourselves integral to the vibes of Philly. And it just so happened that the season started right when Philly sports were good. Like, the Eagles are still undefeated. The Phillies are going to the World Series. And the Flyers are... You want to talk about a team getting a bye. The fucking Sixers are getting away with murder right now. Like, forget the Flyers. The Sixers are getting away with murder right now because no one gives a shit. No one gives... No, like, what the Sixers need to do legitimately is they can ride this out for as long as the World Series is going. Yeah. And then the minute the World Series ends, they have to fire Doc Rivers. Yes. Because the the minute that people are actually paying attention to that team, they're going to be like, how the fuck does this guy still have his job? That's, like, I came that, out. That should literally be what, what the ownership tells him. is like, coach, you got until the Phillies are done the World Series to figure <laughs> this out. And if you haven't figured it out by then, you're gone. Because that's when people are actually going to start caring. 
I came out of the uh, Saturday Phillies game, and there were like a couple of dudes. I got through the sea of humanity, was making my way through the parking lot, and there's like a couple dudes on their phone, and one of them turns and like, yeah, the Sixers lost to the Spurs. I was like, wait, (laughs) what? The Spurs are losing on purpose. What do you mean? And we start losing our minds about it for like 30 seconds until some random guy comes up behind us and goes, guys, none of that fucking matters. Not a lick of it matters. Do you realize what you just were inside for? You're worried about that? We're like, you're right. You're right, good sir. You're right. <laughs> Way to go. Thank and you for that that's perspective. Kinda, I don't want to say that's kind of how I feel about the Flyers, because I do love the Flyers, and this is my job and everything, but no one's actually paying attention until this thing's over. No. 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 And, and they shouldn't. No. But for the fact own, that, like, it was... It was Right. It was really smart of the Flyers to this season decide that they are core Philly sports and and that they're just going to support all Philly sports because they're not going to be good. It just, it worked out really well for them. You you tell me. Now, going back to the actual team performance, I feel so bad for Felix Sandstrom. Ah, He'll be all right. The Felix Sandstrom thing is interesting. I don't know if either of you guys read this, but our, our old pal Mike McKenna wrote an article about this um, yesterday, I believe. Uh, and it was an interesting article because obviously he comes at it from the perspective of someone who legitimately played goalie in the NHL, also was a guy who never really like fully established himself as an NHL goaltender. But he said, look, like what's not fair to Felix Sandstrom? And he's like, I understand why coaches do it. I understand why coaches use the backup in the second game of back-to-backs. I get it. But Felix Sandstrom has yet to win a game in the NHL. Yet. And if he's only going to get to play in the second games of back-to-backs, he's going to keep losing because the team is inherently not going to be as good in the second game of back-to-back because they're tired. And at some point, if it hasn't happened already, this is what McKenna said, that it's going to start to really hurt Sandstrom's confidence that he hasn't gotten that first NHL win yet. And it's really not his fault. And McKenna was like, at some point, Tortorella's got to throw him in a game that the Flyers actually have a decent chance of winning rather than just using him as the sacrificial lamb in second games of back-to-backs because you're trying to develop this kid and you're trying to get him to have some confidence to be a long-term NHL backup. And if he starts 0-15, there potentially might be no coming back from that. Yeah, yeah. And I I just looked up this article as you were speaking about it and, like, the case to use the backup in the front game of back-to-backs, it's interesting. Um, Just... I guess wins, you know, we say like, you know, again, to look at baseball, we're always like, oh, well, pitcher wins don't matter. But in their heads, they do. They they want, they want the W. Like, they badly want that. Uh, It's, it'll be interesting. I mean, he's going to have to play Carter, or he's going to have to play Sandstrom in a situation that's other than the the tail end of back-to-back simply because Carter Hart's never started more than like 45 games in a season. Like, maybe this is the year he plays 65 games, but I'm not counting on that. And since it's never happened, like, I don't want to be dealing with the Carter Hart injury after it happens. Like, maybe try to prevent it by uh, once a week just throwing in the backup. In terms of the wins and loss thing, like, 
I think it was on last week's show, we were talking about the, the Tampa and Florida back-to-backs. Oh, well, yeah, the second game, any team that plays those two back-to-back, the second one is a, is a scheduled loss. Like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Like, these are two of the top five teams in hockey. You play them on back-to-back nights. Like, you're probably losing that second game. And it took a whole lot to win that first one or even just step on the ice with one of those teams in the first one. It's kind of a scheduled loss. Uh, so maybe you get Sandstrom into the front end or maybe you just get him into a game like that isn't tied to another game. Yeah, I feel bad for the kid because, you know, he's yeah. he's worked really hard to get to this point and he's just kind of getting thrown out there with the, I guess maybe their hope was that, well, the Sharks stink. So, yeah, it's second game of a back-to-back, but maybe we can beat them anyway. And then, obviously, they laid a complete and total egg against them. But they are—they're not the Panthers. You know, the Sharks are bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, the problem with that is that the Flyers also stink. That is true. <laughs> like, Newsflash, the Flyers yeah. are bad, too. No, like, if the Florida Panthers do that, you go, yeah, we can win with no goalie, probably. We can play 6-on-5 with no goalie and probably get, like, an overtime loss or something. Uh, the Flyers are a bad team. <laughs> and they've been... The only thing that has won them games thus far is their goaltending. Therefore inherently you're going to struggle if you're not... Like, even if you're just getting adequate goaltending out of Sandstrom, if it's not great, they're probably not going to win because, as Charlie just said, the other team is getting 60% of the scoring chances. Like, that's a shitload. That's most of them. Like, (laughs) you probably can't win that way. Yeah. Fun times. It actually is fun times in Philadelphia right now. And I guess the Flyers are winning, so it's not yet miserable. But the cracks are are gaping. Let me put they, it that way. If you look a little bit under the surface, this team ain't good. It is not good. Not a good team. And I, I tweeted this out, and I will admit I was I was mildly inebriated at the time. Because we, <laughs> we went to the Chickies nice. and Pete's in Vegas to watch the <laughs> Phillies game because we were like, that's the one place where they're at, we'll actually play the sound and there might be other Philly fans there. So sure, let's go. So we went and they did on one of the other TVs have the Flyers game. Now granted, I was mostly paying attention to the the Phillies game on Saturday, not the, the Flyers-Predators game. But I did occasionally turn around and watch it. And then I saw they were winning 3 nothing, and I was like, I gotta check the stats on this. And unsurprisingly the Flyers were getting crushed they just were winning because they were finishing on their chances and Carter Hart was playing amazing and I tweeted out like for all the people on Twitter that yelled at me over the past few years for being like the Flyers aren't quite as bad as you think they are and screamed that I was biased and that I was a homer and all this other shit I cannot wait until you see how I cover a team that rides a, a, a ridiculously high PDO to being good because I'm going to be criticizing the team constantly for not being as good as you think they are. And we're probably going to see, like I said, you know, last year, 4-1-1 one one to start, and they ended up as a bottom four team. Um, they're 4-2-0. Four, they're four nice. Uh, and nice. they close out their October slate Tonight, home against Florida, and uh, home against Carolina Saturday, and then they go on the road for three, the Rangers, Leafs, and Sens. By the time we're speaking to you next, (laughs) there's a really good chance uh, this team is at or below 500, and 
their record more reflects the type of play that they've shown. However, it's Philadelphia. There's some sort of magic going on right now. Perhaps Carter Hart is uh, is Bryce Harper, and he's just not going to let them lose. Maybe that's the case. Uh, sometimes you win even though you're not that good. It's happening for a baseball team right now, you know, uh, because there's one dude who simply cannot be defeated, uh, and maybe maybe Carter Hart is the same. Uh, I did want to talk a little about the idea of bandwagonism and, and all the shit, and I realize everyone's, yeah, sure. everyone's on the same page here with this sort of stuff, I believe. Uh, but, my God, I personally, as someone who is stuck with this fucking hockey team uh, and cannot get away <laughs> from them, you know, I, I cannot wait for bandwagon fans. It, I, I mean, selfishly, that means probably more people will be listening to this show and we'll all make more money from it. Uh, this is true. But just That'd the idea cool. that they're a topic and they're fun and good. Bandwagon fans mean there's something to bandwagon on. <laughs> the bandwagon, yeah, right. the wagon is headed somewhere good. It is headed in a positive direction and not on fire on the side of the road with all four tires missing. Um, I, most people have been like, yes, please welcome the bandwagon fans to the Phillies. But there have been the tweets, I think for the most part, seeking attention that are, you know, the gatekeeping. Now you can't, you couldn't name four players on the team last month. Like most people don't want to follow a bad team. It's, uh, it's a mental illness that many of us have sticking with these Philadelphia sports for all they put us through. When the bandwagon fans come, welcome them. I have been to all of these stadiums when they're full. I have been to all of these stadiums when they are empty. Except the link. That place is never empty for some reason. Um, they're all way more fun full when the team is good and everyone's happy. Everyone's a hardcore fan when they're winning. It doesn't matter what they thought about the team last week or last year. They're winning now. Enjoy it. That means bandwagon fans will be there too. Totally. And I, sorry, Charlie, I'm just going to cut you off. So I am a bandwagon Phillies fan, like straight up. If you ask me to name four players on this team right now, this second, I'm not sure if I could confidently. Like I could, I know that I can get three <laughs> because I'm in love with Brandon Marsh. And that's the only new guy that I've added to my knowledge of what the What are you, Phillies. Kelly now? But, what? I said, what are you, Kelly now? She I introduced dirty, Kelly she, to Brandon Marsh. She loves dirty homeless looking guys. That's her thing. <laughs> I know, but he's just so moist all the time that I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Harper seems way more up your alley. Just like the real. Oh, Bryce Harper, I knew about before really he was a Philly. Come on. <laughs> Bryce Harper is my dude. Like, this is not... I don't follow baseball at all, but I knew who Bryce Harper was when the Phillies acquired him. I knew who he was. Thank you to Justin from The Good Fight. Thank you, Justin Clue. Um, so, like, I don't give a shit, but, like, let, let a Phillies fan say to me that I don't deserve to be celebrating the Phillies right now because I will lose my fucking mind. I am a Philly sports fan, period. And we all deserve nice things. We all deserve happiness. Be a bandwagon fan. Who cares? Also, 
there were games in August and September where, like, through the turnstiles, 7,700 people went. I was at the vet as a small child when I had whole sections to myself. We're Same. all fucking bandwagon fans. You know? <laughs> like, come on now. Come so, on. So the, so the one thing I will say, and, and I am completely fine with, I think fan, sports are just more fun when more people care, you know, when the city can celebrate in unison. I think it's awesome. I do understand why. I I get why people who have followed this team, who were going to games all year, I get why they get frustrated when they get boxed out of going to a World Series game because suddenly everyone who wasn't going to games is trying to get tickets. I do understand that frustration. I, I think it's a good thing that people are more into the team. I think it's a lot more fun when more people are into the team. I do understand the frustration of, you know, where were you in August when the play, when there were 7,700 people going through the turnstiles, and now I want to go to a game because I've bled for this team all year and tickets are gone because a million people signed up for 20,000 seats. I get that frustration. I get... That's... That happens when the team's, like... The only way to avoid that is not going to the World Series. I'd much sure, rather sure, yeah. I'd much rather forty five thousand posers in the stadium for a World Series game <laughs> than no World Series game. I just yeah, of I course, understand. Of I just I don't know. I also feel like I had my and time. So for me, I don't need to like, go to the games. Uh, my my run and my time was then when I was in college, and now I hope college kids are just partying their asses off now. Always remember, kids. There will be more tests. I guarantee you, there will be more tests. You're a great. There probably won't be more World Series. Just, just letting I, you know. I've got like four things to say in response to that. Number one is when they won in 20, 2008, I was in college and I was not a Phillies fan because I'm just not a baseball fan. I'm never going to pretend to be. And I didn't go to the parade. Oh, and gosh. that has been one of the biggest regrets of my life as a Philly sports fan that I didn't go to the parade. So... I will be coming up should they advance. Like I or should the good things start to happen in the beginning of the series, I will be there for the end of the series. Um Bill Matz and your direction of advice should never, never be followed. <laughs> Do not try and pull the Bill Matz because I flew up to Philly last week, two weeks ago, however long ago ago I flew up. And when I have flown with Bill. I have witnessed him casually take an edible, fall asleep on the plane, wake up totally fine. So I tried doing this myself from Atlanta to Philly. (laughs) It was a poor decision that ended up with me on the floor of the Philadelphia airport (laughs) at one o'clock in the morning, laughing my ass off. Uh, You see, on the way home from Vegas, um, we hit quite a bit of turbulence and I was very scared. <laughs> so it's Fair. not it's not a hundred percent foolproof plan, but I just don't get on planes sober. So no. Not Do not way. take two hundred milligrams of an well, edible before you get on an hour flight from Atlanta to Philadelphia. Too, Do not do that. That's just too much. 
All right, do we? Uh, it was a poor decision. Do not try and emulate Bill Matz and be like, he can do it. I can yeah, do it. Sometimes you just got to go to college for five and a half years because the Phillies keep going to the World Series. Like, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to. But the other thing I want to say about, like, now let's bring it back to sports. If this were the Flyers, because from what I've heard, about the Phillies from my fans, from my friends who have been fans and following them through this entire, I fucking hate this place season, or I hate this fucking place, whatever, whatever the one with the abs said. Um, I, if this were the Flyers going on this run full of himbos where they're sharing the same brain cell across the locker room, like no one knows what they're doing, but it's working and they're winning and it's fun. I would be so proud to show off my little idiot flyers. Like, look, look, look at these little boys who I've been following for so long and they've been so bad. Look at what they did. Like, look, it's it's like an art project you can put up on your fridge. And that's how I feel for the bandwagon fans. Like, look at look at what these little these little idiots put together. Okay, just, like, you clearly I, don't fear the same. I just, I just <laughs> like how we're comfortable calling the Phillies himbos. Imagine if this was a women's team. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a joke. I would also call them himbos. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have anything else? Are we good? Are we done? I got nothing else. Um, I did have something that I wanted to close the show on, and now I can't recall. All right. Go the Phillies of the baseball Philadelphia Phillies. There you go. And that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts and boom, content. The uh, There will be a post game tonight, I believe. Uh, probably. Yeah. I think I can do one tonight. Why not? Uh, and say? We, pretty much when the games don't overlap with World Series games, there will be post games, obviously. Things will be normalized in the near future. All right, that's it uh, for Steph, for Charlie. Kelly wasn't with us this week. My name is Bill Matz. Go Phils! All right, as soon as we, uh, we logged off, like immediately, Charlie goes, Of course! The Flyers couldn't go one day without doing something. Uh, so the Flyers picked up my guy, Chief Keefe, Kiefer Bellows, off of waivers. He was waived yesterday by the Islanders. And this is, uh, it's really full circle for me. Because I really wanted Kiefer Bellows in the 2016 draft. Uh, the Flyers, I know you The did. Flyers end up uh, trading down with Arizona. Um, Arizona takes Chikrin. That's how it went, right? We, tra- we traded with Arizona. Uh, Arizona traded with the Red Wings. And then we traded down after that? Is that what happened? Uh, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, the f- Some, there was something The funny. Flyers yeah, end up that was drafting uh, Garman Rusov at 22. Bellows goes 19 to the Islanders. Now Bellows hasn't exactly uh, lived up to expectations of that draft pick. Obviously, he's on waivers, uh, and the Flyers were able to grab him. Uh, what's he have? 11 career goals in 68 games, 25 points. He hasn't uh, really set the world on fire in the NHL, but as we were talking earlier about the possibilities and the potential, the opportunity 
for a lot of young players in this lineup. Now, maybe he just goes to the AHL, but they claimed him on waivers, so I don't think they can do that. Uh, he'll probably dress, I don't know, maybe Saturday against Carolina or something. But it's just... Fuck, I can't remember the waiver rules. Shit. It's another guy who maybe could benefit from the opportunity that an Owen Tippett yes. or a Morgan Frost or a uh, Tanner Lazinski are getting in this lineup that's missing half of its good players. It's... And, it's a you know, no risk. Half re- it's you know, not saying this is going to pay off big time in any way, but it's an opportunity for a player who hasn't lived up to expectations, but was the 19th overall pick in 2016. Like it would be really cool to have a draft pick from the 2016 draft class. Like that would be cool. Well, in the first yeah, round, I was say, they do have Carter Hart. <laughs> in the first round, my, my but bad. yeah, I mean that. Because Rubstov never panned out. No. So Keeper Bellows is a name that we knew. It's a name that we because they did move down. It's so it's a name, it's a player that we scouted really thoroughly. And he wasn't an answer for the Flyers at the time. And we were pretty I wouldn't say pumped, but we weren't upset that they didn't get him. But why not? At this point, why not? Like, go ahead, Chuck Fletcher. If you're going to start throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, I prefer a name that I know, a young dude, as opposed to Delorier. No, that's, like, I'd much rather a 24-year-old former first-round pick than, yep. you know, Sedlak or Patrick Brown or, who you know, any of these guys who aren't going to be part of the future. I'm not saying Bellows is. He probably won't. Uh, but... It's worth a look. This is actually, I think, a decent move by the general manager yeah. uh, to whom I have referred to as a buffoon for most of the last several seasons. So I will give credit where it's due. You're claiming a guy off waivers. You had to give nothing up. It probably is a nothing move. But there's a chance. There's a small chance he's... How do they have cap space? How do they have cap space? <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question, actually. Did Kateria yeah, go on LTIR this morning, or wasn't he already on LTIR? I mean, they were like, "Where is the money coming from, Chuck?" This is this is a tremendous question, actually, Steph. Let's um, <laughs> how can they keep doing this? Because they just did it yesterday too, right? Some bro from Penn State. Yeah, I don't. That was a trade. They made a trade that oh. was just like AHL player for AHL player. Oh, okay. Uh. I don't know. Maybe. Bill, where's the money? I guess it's got to be JVR. That's a great question. That's a Charlie question. Charlie couldn't join us. Um, Charlie looked like he was going to walk down to Chuck Fletcher's office and be like, can you just give me an hour? This happened, and I go, we have to hit record for like a couple more minutes, right? Charlie just goes, I can't, no. And and like immediately signs off. No goodbye. Uh, so, uh, He's that's a great question. Uh, maybe I'll have an answer for it on post game tonight. We shall see. Uh, but anything else, Steph? I think it's cool. I'd like it. It's it's something that Chuck Fletcher has done recently that I don't hate. So cool, Kiefer Bellows. Welcome to Philadelphia. All right, and uh, it may not or may be better than Long Island. I cannot confirm. Uh, all right. That is all the time we have for you now uh, after this extended edition of PSH Radio. 
Um, yeah, that's it. I'm done. Phil's. I actually remembered what I wanted to close the, the show out with. I'm sorry. It's it's a horse rescue based in Chester. I've talked to uh, John Tortorella about horse rescues. It's called Furvivors. So yeah. if you guys want to go support them, that would be fantastic. That's a good they one. are just right there in Exton. But it's a horse rescue. Yeah. Do horses have fur? Yes. I thought they had hair. Both? Their their mane is hair? But why are you worried about their Because fur? it's called Furvivor. It's it's oh! a great pun. I'm just do her, horses have fur? Would you call them a furry animal? Like a bunny yeah. is furry. Yep. I guess, right? I guess. I it's guess. Fur. Yeah. I mean, I call. I <laughs> whatever. I think it's they also rescue other support animals. Support these goddamn horses. The end. <laughs> support them because I'm going to try and get John Tortorella involved, and they're called Survivors. They're right there in Philiage. All right. Uh, that's it. Uh, do all that. I already did the outro. Phil's in five. Are you ready to talk about? 